You're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge, purpose, and community. Hello Francis is brought to you by the creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy. Our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors candidly share their diverse wisdom and experience. We do all of this in less than 30 minutes. Let's get started. Hey, you're listening to Hello Francis. Thank you for joining us. I'm Chantel Dedeke and I'm your host. I'm very excited about our guest today. I have with me um, Jackie Andrew DeMartin from Jackie on the on the Emerald Coast. And um, Jackie and I just met kind of, well, we were kind of put together from a project, but I was so intrigued by um, the things that I learned from him. He also um, is a podcast host. His podcast is Jackie on the Emerald Coast. And I'm naturally these days kind of drawn to other podcast hosts. So it's my pleasure to introduce you to Jackie from Jackie on the Emerald Coast. Hey, Chantal, how are you doing this morning? I'm so great. Thank you. I know. Um, I just want to say before we start, I mean, we, we are woke up, both of us, to the um, NSA shooting. Uh, not a great thing to wake up to. It's uh, of our times. Uh, let's just send prayers out in hopes that everybody's okay and well and, and uh, recovers from this kind of incident and unfortunately become a fact of life for us. But um, thank you so much for having me today. And let's get back to upbeat a little bit. Um, yeah, our, our meeting was kind of uh, genuine and accidental. And we talked about podcasts and entrepreneurship and, and uh, we got put together by a um, really a government agency that's trying to help uh, entrepreneurs and, and business and promote business. And I think, uh, you know, I'm always on the fringe of that with my podcast. Uh, we talked a little bit about how I'll have anybody on my podcast being a restaurant owner myself. I don't consider them competition, but right. I like to, uh, I like the tide to lift all boats basically. Right. And we talked, uh, uh, we got to briefly discuss this whole like collaboration over competition idea. I think we both embrace that. I, I really just learning your story and being at your restaurant in Broussard's um, in Navarre Beach, which I love has been a great partner um, with that whole area in terms of like propelling tourism and really being a key kind of player there. That's how we met. I was most intrigued by, and I think our audience, I've been getting some feedback where like, you know, are we always just going to interview creative people? And I meet so many people who think they're not creative at all. And I think as human beings, everyone is creative. It is, I mean, even if you don't think you're creative, you probably are in some, and I just felt like that you were such a good example of that because I'd love to talk about your background, your experience, where you come from, and your strong operational history, obviously, but this maybe kind of hidden drive to always do something creative and a little bit of a passion there. So can we talk about your history a little? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because we interview a lot of people, um, I guess in the same bracket, because I do find a lot of people of what I said to you before is closet creative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in a family of uh, police and firemen, uh, second generation firemen. My father was a fireman in New York City. I ended up going into the fire service. I did 30 years as an engineer in, in, uh, in a fire company just outside of Queens. I was always operational, get it done, the go-to guy. Um, as coming up the ranks in the fire department, I was one of the youngest chiefs ever uh, to come to office. And um and, and as I, and I told you, my operational thing is more of management. I'm I'm very creative at surrounding myself with really good people 
and understanding uh, the talents of people and getting the most out of people. But yes, I, I, I would consider myself more of an operational mover and shaker than I am a creative idea guy, although I have a lot of closet creative idea uh, history. And um, yeah, coming in the fire service, um, it was an it was an interesting thing. It, it was a transformation. I was in the transformation years between what we would call Wild West firefighting and now what's more of the safety factor firefighting, a more regulated type of industry. And you had to come up with creative ideas to uh, still get the job done, but work within those parameters of safety and and the issues that we were. So, I guess by force of nature, I became artistic mm-hmm. in how I operate. Right. I guess that's the best way to describe it on how I operate, because um, there's finesse to that. And uh, I think genuinely, although I'm very operational, I think a lot of my background and today, especially I use a lot of my experience and talents and and my creativity in uh, the sales department, because uh, although I am part of a restaurant group, our our original business was uh, food production. Mm-hmm. So we sell, I would say, regionally and, and some outreach nationally uh, in one of two of our enterprising type of uh, items like the Traducan uh, as a national product. But I go around all over and sell that. So I think I come from operational closet artist and creator, creator to basically sales and journeyman. And I had a great mentor who told me that, you, you know, the, the, um, the transition from an operational person to becoming a captain or a chief. And that's really the hardest jump for a, a on the ground boots fireman to become a co- captain or a chief is now you're more creating policy. Mm, okay. So you're taking those, you're taking that experience and now you're now be, being creative with that experience. So I guess what you say is really true. Everybody has a creative side. I just don't probably acknowledge it as much as I should, <laughs> um, but I've, I've been, I've been really blessed to have a great life and uh, wonderful people around me. Um, my career has extended from not just the fire service. When I retired from there, I went into public safety. I spent seven years in the fifth largest town in America, uh, the town of North Hempstead, where I had the opportunity, um, falling into the deep end of the pool to use my creativity and experience to uh, help design a uh, command center in Newcastle, North Hempstead, which was a state-of-the-art command center at its time. Uh, it, it brought safety to the neighborhood. A lot, I can, I can quote and cite a million different things that that thing did for the, both the community and there. And again, I kind of uh, surrounded myself with great people, DPW commissioners and parks commissioners and people like that, that I got an opportunity to work with uh, some of the most talented and experienced and uh, creative mm-hmm. uh, people in what I would consider government field. And then, you know, after that, I, I crazily thought I had a great idea to run for public office and I tried to run for New York State Assembly. And then um, after that failed attempt, because politics is hard. Uh, Although I've always fringed on politics for the last uh, 30 years of my life, uh, politics is hard. I moved to Florida and uh, I fell into the food industry with two brothers who had created a beautiful business over the last 25 years. They moved from Louisiana, bringing Cajun food to the panhandle of Florida. At the time I came into their business, 
they needed somebody who was more operational and direction, and I gave them that, and then we partnered in a little bit. I made an investment, and, I, and they asked me to stay on. I, I worked as a consultant, then they asked me to stay on, and it's been a great four-year ride um, opening a second restaurant and taking the food industry from a $600,000 business to probably a $2.2 million business this year and looking forward to a $4.5 million business next year. That's so, fantastic because you, you serve as the uh, director of operations for Cajun meat, especially meats out of Pensacola. Is that, is that your official role? But what I thought was the most interesting was our encounter really involved a lot of storytelling, not just about your business. I mean, I think that's the most important thing to me. What you said that really stood out is that everything that is created must be sold. And that's right. That's right. Yes, and, and that it really hit home to me because often we will concept, we're like constantly in think tank and we're concepting and we're concepting. Something can be really fantastic idea, but who is going to bring that idea to the masses? Who is going to ensure that that idea becomes revenue for your business or whatever? And that is a finesse, as you call it, a skill set. And what really stuck out, stood out to me was your ability to storytell, which I consider to be a very high, highly developed creative skill. And I never, I mean, you look at the kind of the Cajun special needs, I mean, but then you make it into this very kind of like glorious, like, oh, the story of the turducken and the story of this and the story of that. We were just all very compelled. Do you, do you feel like storytelling is a really um, important part of what you guys do? Well, I think that great storytellers come with experience and can bring that personal knowledge to the story. I was the director of operations and I strictly moved myself to director of sales because that's where the need was <laughs> over nice. the last few years. Yeah. So, you know, because I am what I would consider a really good storyteller, as if you believe in something, mm -hmm. you can really tell the story of something. And what, what you say is true that, um, you know, you could have a great product, you could have a, a great idea or a great thing, but if you can't sell it, mm -hmm. it's going to die on the vine, as we say in the, in the food business, right? It will die on the vine. It will die on the vine. I like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really did never expected to get in the food business. My parents had a nightclub. My, my mother and stepfather had a nightclub back in New York and uh, they, they ran that business for a long time. And then as I became a teenager, they went into the tra travel business. So I got to see things like uh, the Fountain Blue Hotel in its glory years and, and cool. I just exposed to some spectacular things in my life. And um, I think all of that makes you into a great storyteller because you get yeah. such variance experience. And then that makes you into what they're calling me now is a great salesman. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and a great podcast host. <laughs> the salesman, the salesman label, people, people are like, oh, salesman, oh, salesman. But really, the salesman's the person that brings that idea to life. Right? They're the person that says, hey, this is what it's worth. This is where I can see it. This is the imagination, because not everybody who has great ideas can sell. Right? Well, not everybody has great ideas. Yes. Yeah, it's the pitch. It's that that is a skill set. It's a mastered skill set, I think, to be able to take what is created and pitch it to various different types of individuals. And so you're meeting them where they are and you're taking your product, the sales pitch of your product, and you're, you know, kind of constructing it in a way that's going to resonate with so many different types of people. That is a skill. And I think sometimes it gets a bad rap. It gets a really bad rap. I mean, even internally, the two brothers who I work with and, and you know, God bless the, the hard work and, and that they've put into this company, but they do not have a salesman's bone in their body. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and they needed somebody 
to, and, and that's why we all make, and I consider them my brothers, truthfully. That's why we all make a very good team uh, because I can take their phenomenal story, kind of walk in their shoes a little bit to some of the struggles they've had uh, up and down in the food business, which by the way, I was a fireman. I worked for public safety. I was a politician for a long time. Food business is the hottest business there is. It is a, a bare knuckles fight every day, uncontrollable <laughs> things that happen. I mean, just yesterday, uh, you know, even if you just took the transportation end of getting your food to the customer, a truck shows up and it's not a freezer truck. And now the customer needs that delivery before Christmas. And, um, wow. Every day can be a fire drill in the food business. Uh, good planning definitely does. And just like the fire service, just like public safety, just like being a, a politician, all of those things are about good planning. But you can plan to the best and have these backup plans after backup plans in the food business and swine flu ruins your entire week. Oh, wow. <laughs> these are things that I just never, I guess in our business, we never even think about, but it must be a struggle that every business in the food industry goes through. You have all of these unexpected quote unquote fires, if you will, and your background has uniquely qualified you for that. Yeah. So yeah, it, it really has. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that I'm more of a, what they call a Calvinist. I believe your path is kind of designated for you. So all those things that I've traveled through 30 years in the fire service and, and public safety and, and all the things I've been galvanized and trained to do all these years has prepared me for this moment. <laughs> so, well, let's, let's, let's talk about this moment because I'm very excited to talk to you about your podcast. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting. And next week I'm going to speak to the Florida Public Relations Association on what our experience has been like bringing a podcast to life. It is my prediction for 2020 that podcast is the most imperative, the most critical piece of content that we can create uh, going into the new year. What was your um, motivation and inspiration? What, how did Jackie on the Emerald Coast come about? Okay. And first of all, let me explain. Uh, oh, you've introduced me as Andrew. Let me explain Jackie because that's a okay. quick story. That little kid that got dragged to the Fountain Blue Hotel and all that. My, my, I was named after my uncle, Andrew John. I'm Andrew John. So they needed something to call me and they called me Jackie. So my whole family knew me as Jackie. Mm -hmm. uh, up until about junior high when the teachers started calling me Andrew and I assumed that name. But um, if you ask my nieces and, and, uh, and my sisters and, and my mom, she was still here. Uh, she would say, that's Jackie. That's not Andrew. So uh, I really did cool. assume the name. Yeah. And so um, it did bring me back to, Hey, what am I going to do? And my wife was the one that said, um, listen, you're Jackie. You know, sometimes she calls me Jack, especially if I'm misbehaving. She'll say right. Jack. Uh, so, <laughs> Uh, you're Jackie on the Emerald Coast. And it really was my wife that came up with the name of Jackie's Emerald Coast. And, um, you know, she, she's been just inspirational about this. And, and she said, you know, you could do that. You have that talent and, and you have that uh, personality. And I started listening to them and I listened to some sales podcasts because transcending from an operational guy to a salesman needed some education. And I said, wow, what a great way to get educated. I mean, this is the education, this is the education medium for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a huge reader. If I read more than a couple of uh, pages a night, I start to fall asleep. So, um, you know, listening and even listening to books online. Listen, um, so this is the way that I definitely educate myself on things. So I thought, why not bring that education to other people? Uh, in the restaurant business, all those plagues we were talking about, I found there's a transcending thread from 
owner to owner to owner. And I like to, like you said, reach out. I like to be more collaborative, collaborator than competition. And I've reached out to a lot of my friends in the, in the restaurant business and said, well, you know, what are our plagues? And it's mm-hmm. like, we really don't have a great voice. The original idea was to give restaurant owners a voice of, hey, when you can cook 300 great meals a night and not miss one mm-hmm. in your own kitchen, then you can criticize me. Right. It was not, not a fight back thing, but more of an educational, hey, let's educate the consumer on why you probably shouldn't do a one star, which takes us 10, five stars to get rid of. Yeah. Uh, on one night because everybody can have a bad night in the restaurant business and there are so many circumstances that are uncontrollable behind your reach in that business and the food industry itself. So that was the original intent. And then it grew into this, I love this area I've moved to. I mean, I live most of my life in New York. Uh, I come down here and it's, it's like where I would plan a vacation to if you were in New York. So I'm living a vacation every day. And my thought was, why not expose everybody to the experience that I had? And that's, again, educating people, right? So you become, as I said in the beginning of the podcast, uh, a grunt, an edu- a student, you learn, and then you become an educator. And now I'm starting to do that in this business, where I'm starting to educate people on how hard this business is, but yet all the wonderful people that are in this business. And what I will tell you is a common thread, and uh, my, my engineer, Frank uh, Savino, has his own podcast, but um, he said, you know, these people that are here, these people that are doing these podcasts are basically public service. And uh, yeah, like us, Frank. Frank is a former fireman from Chicago. And uh, yeah, they're public servants like us. They're giving service every day to the community. So let's bring their story to light. And now it's transcended to not just restaurants, but hotels and events, interesting people in the community. And we're, we're, we're reaching out from Orange Beach to Tampa basically. Did you, did you lose me for a little bit? No, I didn't. Okay. It continued thought, to record. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're reaching out from all the way from Orange Beach Bay. Well, really New Orleans, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I have to say, no, I have to say New Orleans like you're down here because otherwise I get criticized. New Orleans. But we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're reaching out to New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans Fish House is a, is a customer of mine. I've, I've developed some great friendships with those guys who are servicing the Emerald Coast. And I'm basically educating people on where we are and in the hospitality industry, Florida is a mega hospitality industry. Right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really considering this my teaching moment in life. And that's where I'm coming to is, is my teaching moment in life. Going through a lot, seeing a lot. I like to do the back nine as some of, some of my uh, aged friends are starting to say. I'm only 54, but I'm the back nine as an educator and, and mentor. And because I've had mentors like that in my life, I want to give that back. I love that. And it's so important, I think, for us to, especially those of us that have received great mentorship our whole life, to recognize when it is the time for us to start to give that back and, and to pass on the knowledge that has been passed on to us and the great wisdom and all of that. What I what I love about your podcast, and I listened to a few episodes so far, I am definitely going to listen to more, is that I get this feeling that Andrew DeMar- DeMartin in New York is now Jackie, the, the the boy who always wanted to play on the beach his whole life on the Emerald Coast. Oh, that, I'm glad you got that because oh my that's God. exactly what it is. That's I, exactly what it is. That hits home so hard for me, and I think it's such a cool story, and I think it tells like people who live in the Northeast that you can unbutton here, you can be your playful kind of childlike self here, that – this is a family destination, but not just for your kids, but the child in you. And that is such a compelling story. And it really resonates. 
I, it really does resonate. Well, I mean, we'll get a little bit more psychological because you, you've opened up something that I really I was hoping people would get. Since a little boy, I've always had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders and going right into the fire service at a young age and becoming a very young chief. I had a lot of weight on my shoulders. And then after 9-11, I decided to get out of the fire service more into public safety. It was a natural transition for me. But I, I put down one set of responsibilities to pick up another. And truly coming to Florida was me coming into my own self. Mm. And me, exactly as you said, before that child picked up all those responsibilities, I get to live that life now. So I really do feel blessed to having found Pensacola, which is a beautiful location. Anybody out there that has not been to Pensacola, uh, there are no better beaches in the world. There is no more friendlier place than Pensacola. The hospital, And it's set up for hospitality and vacation, but you could really make a life here. And as you see, I think 8,000 baby boomers a day are retiring from the north and heading south, and a lot of them are landing here. And I'm okay with that migration because I was here first. Right. <laughs> You're leading the charge, so it's okay. Right. right. But, um, you know, yeah, I you definitely hit something on the head that I feel internally that I'm living my best life now. Uh, I was responsible for a lot of people and a lot of things back in New York that I did my job and um, it, it will never be not a part of me because it's a done thing. But I do feel like I left there with a tremendous amount of accomplishments and a tremendous amount of friendships and um, I left my mark there and now I get to come here and not have as much responsibility as I did back there and kind of enjoy it a little bit. Yeah. That's great. I think it speaks to a lot about being true to yourself, who you know you are inside and finding that joy. And sometimes that means moving. It means reinventing yourself. It means trying an industry, listening to a calling, not being afraid to kind of break outside of the barrier of, you know, maybe what you've known your whole life. I think that takes a lot of courage. That's what you've given us today. So much courage. And I'm just so glad that we got to talk this out. I appreciate so much you, for you having me on today. I would love to have you on my podcast and talk a little bit more about your entrepreneurial podcast because I'm so interested in moving in a lot more of that direction because I think those are the most operational experience turning into art. I think that's a great theme. I think you're showing a lot of people that are doing that. And uh, I really do appreciate you having on uh, me on your show today. And I look forward to you having you and any college you want to bring onto Jackie's Animal Coast. Uh, we do tape on Fridays. And those people that have been on the show, very non-scripted, just like this one is very non-scripted, have really, I, as it is for me to be on a podcast, I'm now starting to sit and experience what they're feeling. And I feel it's a very opening experience to just be able to have a chat with somebody mm -hmm. while it's being recorded and somebody you feel comfortable with, somebody you know, but also somebody you don't know too much so you can tell your story to. And uh, I do believe that podcasts are the future of storytelling. I really do. I agree too. I think that's a great note and we will use that quote in, uh, in the promotion of this episode. And I think our, our audience, our listeners will love the, your diverse background and looking at maybe um, our own creative pursuits in a different way. So thank you so much uh, for being here, Jackie. Now I'm always going to call you Jackie because that's I feel okay. like, I feel like that is who maybe you're happiest as, which when, I, I, I agree. Yeah, not all of our audience gets to see every time your face lights up when you tell a Jackie story. So I get I get to see that. But and I'm I'm guessing that we'll definitely follow up in a few months and maybe even do this again. We'll take you up on the offer to come as a guest on Jackie on the Emerald Coast and share our story as well. So thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me in that.
come by Broussard's anytime. We'd love to have you. I'm not in the Navarre one as much as I'm in the Pensacola location, but we'd love to have you and we'll sit and have lunch and we'll talk about more podcasts and how this, how this medium is growing and, and what it's bringing to the population. Thank you again. Thank you. Well, and thanks for listening to Hello Francis. And if you will like, comment, share, leave us a review. We absolutely love that. Or say hello at hello at francisroy.com. And we'll see you next week. Thanks so much.